0: right, welcome back to the FPL script. Today's episode is season two, episode two, as we look ahead to the 23-24 season. I'm your co-host, Fran, otherwise known as FPL Fran on Twitter, uh, with two underscores. As far as my co-host, that's JD, so schadenfreudist on Twitter with a one. You'll probably see it on the YouTube video, or you can find it on our podcast links in the description. As far as today's episode, we're sort of focusing on some macro points as we are now, around five or six days away from game week one and the deadline there. The Community Shield game has just wrapped up with Arsenal obviously winning in penalties. But it gave us a little bit of insight as well now that Jesus is injured. And we just wanted to talk macro points across some teams that we've obviously focused heavily into the past. And then also some of the positions that we've seen this year um, with obviously the massive data planner coming out for review. As well, and then we'll move on to sort of our drafts, our our at least sort of one week out drafts, which should hopefully be quite definitive at this point in time.
1: Yes, uh, happy to be back for the new season. I hope everyone enjoyed our pod with uh, FPL Chase. Uh, I I personally had a lot of fun, but yeah, we're almost back to the grind. It's less than a week for uh, gaming one, and I think it's a good time to just get some of the macro points that you know we're going to talk about discussed and see where we land in terms of one of many drafts that maybe FPL review is going to recommend to you based on certain settings that you uh, select on the solver. The first point we can dive straight into is review doesn't rate Arsenal as much as, it, as we thought it would and it seemed uh, maybe a given that Arsenal would be well rated by review with their underlings from last season but as we've seen uh, gabriel doesn't have that much of a backing from review if you look across a stretch of 6 8 12 game weeks uh, just a shout out to review again because he's also incre- increased the uh, the solver capacity in terms of the, the number of weeks that you can now view so it's a 12 week window at maximum so what what do you think uh, is behind review not really rating arsenal as a, as much as we thought it would
0: yeah, it's a good point, actually. I think it's because it seems like Chelsea is actually the one that's like sort of leading our draft solves. If you look at um, the EV of Chelsea defenders, they're clear. So the idea is to make sure you have players that cover bad Chelsea game weeks. And in a sense, Arsenal does, but United also do just as well. And it's a competition now, I guess, of picking either an Arsenal player or even a, a Brighton player early on, because if you do a lot of solves now, I would say eight to twelve game weeks, a little bit longer term, you won't really see too many Arsenal coming up in your solves beyond Saka. But let's say if you take uh, game week six, that's obviously a much more shorter term range that I'm, I'm starting to see a little bit more Arsenal assets show up, particularly Gabriel, who we often don't see right now in our solves. And so that's that's the situation where you know I, I'm being kind of asked the question of some something like Gabriel versus Shaw. Because also, generally, with without Sala this season, and we'll talk about Sala later, but I think now that we're not sort of breaking our, our budget in terms of getting two premiums, you have now the ability in Solves, and you're being suggested with solutions that allow you to put more budget into the defenders, particularly the goalkeepers, which is why you'd see something like Ederson plus Leno, but it also means that Review would just prefer you to go for 5.5 defenders, that if they, are, if they have better EV than, let's say, Gabriel, then they're preferred and and that's why I think someone like Gabriel is not really showing up anymore. And yeah, I mean it's it's a weird one to be honest. I I still think that the attack and particularly the midfielders are still rated highly and we'll probably have a 50-50 split on, you know, whether people go for double Arsenal mid or not.
1: That's an interesting point because first of all, I should have clarified when I mean if you doesn't rate Arsenal, I only meant that in the context of a lot not lot a lot not, not a lot of Arsenal players show up in in the souls, not that they don't have good ev as you said i think it's a question of a lack of premiums leading to us being able to buy rotation inclusive defensive options and that i think review is very much more capable than us of thinking that out and giving us a plan of starting this defender and then maybe switching to that defender and so on and so forth so uh, again it depends on what kind of solo settings you use if you use an intricate plan maybe you will get more of that and if you want to stick to a more robust plan you can definitely do that continuing along the vein of discussing arsenal assets the widely discussed point regarding arsenal assets right now is do you just go for Saka, or do you go for Saka plus another arsenal midfielder so if we look at the options right now we have Odegaard we have Martinelli and we have Havertz as we've seen in the community shield was playing up top and then later on switched back to LCM when NKTR came onto the field but what do you think in terms of rating these assets because as as we've seen review clearly rates Havertz if we equal the minutes of let's say Martinelli and Havertz and Odegaard as we've known the review has always rated highly and I'm glad that you know the rest of the FPL community has caught up to rating Odegaard uh, highly in terms of FPL points uh, potential. So what what are your thoughts
0: on that? Yeah, I mean, just watching the Community Shield, looking at how much added time was um, put into the game, it sort of made me feel like I I want to stick with Odegaard because I actually currently have Odegaard in my draft. But you'll see, for example, as as you said, Havertz and Martinelli. I don't even think there's much of a debate at this point. I think Martinelli is probably my fourth um, mid because... The way I see it is when I'm running Souls and I have Arsenal mids in them, I'm I'm being recommended to transfer them out by Game Week 4. And if Jesus has a short term injury and his short term in- injury sort of boosts you know the X-Men's potential of Havertz, then I might as well just jump on Havertz over Martinelli and and then there's a little bit of a more nuanced debate between Odegaard and Havertz because there's a one million difference in price, but what you are getting in place of that is someone who's absolutely nailed. And I I'm I'm not sure. I think 11 of I did mention on Twitter, I believe on a thread that the impact of the added time is something like 3% in terms of what you'd expect from from all sorts of nailed players this season. So like a Bruno, a Salah and an Odegaard. So it, it, it is not gigantic, but I think when we are playing a game of margins and that's sort of what we're looking for. Yeah. I'm probably minded to go for something like Odegaard. And going back to the point about, you know, your, your shorter term solves, like six game weeks versus your medium term solves, like eight game weeks, I'm starting to see, for example, that it would be nice and more intricate for me to go Odegaard short term and kind of capitalize on that EV, then transfer him out to AS as opposed to going for something like Havertz plus money in the bank. But it, there's a debate now with those two. And, and I, I think, unfortunately, Martinelli sort of falls clear of that just because... The positional sort of flexibility is very important for a player who is not absolutely nailed. And, and Havertz and Trossard, in a way, sort of benefit more from that, that than Martinelli.
1: Yeah, you make a good case for Odegaard, but just to make a case for Havertz as well. and I have been making a case for Havertz even when he was at Chelsea, to be honest. So it's uh, not new for me. Where uh, I think because he is playing multiple roles, you have to take possibly a weighted average of him playing the majority of his minutes in the midfield plus some weightage being assigned to him being a striker. Because there's not going to be a lot of times when he is not on the field. Even though I get that he is not a 90-minute player like Odegaard, that kind of weightage where you assign certain probability to him playing a striker does increase his chances of getting returns. Because as we've seen, the Arsenal striker position is one where you do get a lot of xg you can generate a lot of xg of course it depends on Havertz reverting to the mean and not being as unclinical as he's been and that's something that i'm banking on because he his age profile does point uh, or maybe not his age profile but in general if we look at players of his caliber you should hope that it will at least revert to the mean if not go to the other side
0: Yeah, I agree. And actually, at the time of this recording, I don't think review probably might have adjusted to what we saw with Havertz in terms of his position in the Community Shield. Because for me, it was a bit of a surprise actually to see him start. I thought Eddie would start, for example, up top. So maybe that hasn't really been adjusted for yet. And another thing too, I suppose, is when you are going into a a team that has much more capacity to create XG. Like, for example, when someone transfers into to Brighton, like, let's say, Jao Pedro, it's, it's unsurprising to see their baselines really improve. And, and we saw that with Jao Pedro, even though he's not some sort of an XGI demon, I suppose, if you look at his championship numbers. Um, but if we move on to another team, I, I'd say that's quite relevant to our thinking. Usually in FPL, it's Liverpool. We talked about this a little bit last week in the sort of podcast with, with Chase. And, I mean, the simple reality is Liverpool were probably the team that were least affected by... The sort of price revolution or price change revolution i would say and for that reason it seems like abundantly clear that salah and trent are not in our draws. but also i would probably call out to the fact that if you let's say run let's say a longer solve a 12 game horizon solve you'll see the liverpool assets do prop up so it, it is also a little bit of the the fixtures coming into question where Maybe if you're, you're more aggressive, I, I guess Liverpool assets will start to turn up around game week nine. And if you're planning, let's say a wild card there or thereabouts, you might see Liverpool prop up again within our team selections. But for now, I don't think it really makes sense to, to go with Liverpool assets. I mean, how do you feel about that?
1: No, I 100% agree. And also just to be clear, and once again, no one is suggesting that they have bad EV or they are not going to perform well. It's simply the fact that they take up too much of your budget. And that means that you have to make too many compromises on other fronts in your team. So you are better off not starting off with either of Trent and Sala. And then you can move to them, as you said, when you wildcard. Preferably when you wildcard because it's quite a shift in budget that you have to make. So if you look at the difference in budget of, let's say, if you want to go from Bruno to Sala, it's 4 million. So that's not an easy sum to get in maybe one move. So you're looking at multiple moves to set that up. So it's not optimal for the time being. But I'm sure they will find themselves into our drafts at some point in the future.
0: Moving on, um, away from teams. One team that we probably haven't discussed, but we will because they're so relevant, is going to be Chelsea, and, and we'll discuss them in terms of positions. But the first position I wanted to discuss was goalkeepers, because I, I think for the first time, I'm seeing a lot of extensive goalkeeper rotation that is um, already being suggested during a series of single game weeks. So, so last season, when we had these double game weeks where you had players that blanked and, and didn't blank. Um, that seemed to, of course, allow for goalkeeper rotation because simply you're, you're looking for players to cover blanks. But in this situation, even in single game weeks, you are starting to see rotations, even to the point where I'm being recommended, for example, at times something like Ederson plus Leno in a solve, simply because Leno, I think, covers game week six and eight quite well, I believe. And mm. you're also seeing things like uh, Kepa plus Steele or or Pickford plus Steele. So what I would like to say in this topic is I, I think it's it's sort of a symptom of what we discussed previously where... With Salah in the past, your budget was much more inflexible. And now actually, the way I'm seeing a lot of draft templates, because some of the options are so good at such cheap price points, you just really have the capacity to beef up your your goalkeeping budget and your defensive budget too. And even just a simple intuitive check of when you look at the points per match of, of all the positions, clearly defenders and goalkeepers always show up as the best. So I'm sure... When you're solving, um, that's why we're seeing so many goalkeepers show up because you you usually have that uh, now additional zero point five or even one million in the bank to play with in those positions. I'm personally not really that into a lot of the goalkeeper rotation that I've been suggested with, mostly because I am a little bit more uh, cautious about steel. I think his X Men's are on the higher side right now in terms of regular solve So I've docked that down a bit and, and he's no longer really appearing for me. And at the same time, you have a similar situation with Kepa where Robert Sanchez has, has, has of course, already moved um, towards Chelsea. So that can ev- inevitably show up as well and, and break apart your goalkeeping rotation pairs. And, you know, I, I'm happy and comfortable with erison plus a 4.0 keeper, pro- preferably not uh, Ortega as well. But But that's sort of where I'm at with goalkeepers. I don't know how you feel about it. There's also um a discussion about Matt Turner I just want to put a little bit of insight here a lot of people love the idea um, of getting a 4.0 goalkeeper um I don't know why because we've already had bad experiences when you play with let's say a bad defense and a 4.0 keeper they're still clearly not optimal like Ward last season particularly in the mid season and towards the end um but you know if Matt Turner moves to Nottingham Forest we also want to just suggest that if you look at 11 for example, game week one to six model, even though they don't have a blank compared to Luton and Burnley, they still have less expected clean sheets as an absolute number than both Luton and Burnley. So that already sort of gives me a little bit of insight into how low quality the Nottingham Forest team is. And I just can't even see really, unless you have some sort of game week five gap to plug or game week two gap to plug with Nottingham Forest, why you'd really want to deal with that defense. Um, And yeah, that was just my passing comment as well on goalkeepers. (laughs)
1: So I have been burned too many times by Ederson, but of course that's not a factor when I'm looking for the goalkeeper or maybe the goalkeeper rotation pair right now. Of course, I am looking at Onana as maybe a slightly cheaper way of getting into the United defence. I could go for someone like Rupin Diash in in defence instead of Ederson. They cost the same. The, The rotation pairs that we've talked about, I think the Raya Flecken rotation pair or Steel Kepa as you've already pointed out, has too much uncertainty right now, which makes them not a part of the conversation for me. I would say, and also uh, to your Turner point, I think it's kind of dangerous to go with Matt Turner as your second goalkeeper if the tran- his transfer to Forest doesn't take place by the time Game 1 deadline arrives. Because imagine that falls through and then you're stuck with one dead Arsenal asset on your bench and you cannot possibly go to three arsenal assets by the time you wildcard because i don't imagine you will have the luxury of transferring out a 4.2 goalkeeper to another goalkeeper so if that transfer doesn't take place before the game deadline i'm just going to steer clear of that and go for another 4.2 goalkeeper like for example maybe hennessey i don't know it doesn't matter if you're going for a 4.2 goalkeeper as you said i don't plan on playing them ever but maybe if you can find a playing goalkeeper, at least it acts as a contingency if, let's say, your primary goalkeeper falls ill all of a sudden or something happens after the deadline. So, events beyond your control. Technically, everything is beyond your control, but even more so beyond your control. So, yeah, that's my two cents on the goalkeepers.
0: Perfect. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you, you did discuss the defenders briefly. Um, I think the most interesting point really about defenders is when you, as once again, look at the 11-5 um, defensive model, Chelsea, obviously, and Brighton in particular are teams that are absurdly well-priced. And for that reason, I think a lot of solves have been spitting out whether you go with uh, two Chelsea or three Chelsea. Three Chelsea, usually in the situation where you're recommended to go with Kappa, But I think, as we said, because there's a bit of uncertainty there, I'm leaning more towards a very simple um, two-x-Chelsea solve, Usu- usually an iteration of, let's say, like Chilwell plus uh, Colwell. I'm happy with that, but at the same time, I guess if you wanted to be quite robust with your draft, you could maybe actually just preload um, Chilwell and James because a lot of transfer suggestions that I'm seeing with whatever solve I'm running is something like Game Week Three Gabriel to to James or Estupiñan to James. That sort of transfer does seem to prop up quite often. So, so if you want to go with James earlier on, I, I think it's it it is probably an idea that would be recommended. But I I'm more than happy with just two Chelsea defense just because and, and also listening to, for example, Jan talk about um, his experience owning triple Newcastle uh, defense in the back half of the season, particularly when Isak and Wilson were options that, you know, it, it is sometimes important to be open to the fact that, let's say, a Chelsea forward can emerge a, a, as a leading option and be even arguably more optimal For the overall structure of your draft if you go triple chelsea like that as opposed to just simply looking at how triple chelsea is optimal i I just go with triple chelsea defense from the start of the season that sort of thing
1: and also it's quite important to understand that this chelsea team is almost entirely new from the coach to the combination of players there are very few players who have actually played together on that team and we already have A sort of PTSD from a young 4.5 million Chelsea centre-back last season, Wesley Fofana. And I know that it's not the same at all, but you can see where the uncertainties can arise. And it's, as you said, in order to not completely shut ourselves off from other options, like for example, let's say Umkunku comes back because it's well known that Umkunku was a firm favourite for many of FPL managers, including you and I. I don't think we would have started the season without Nkunku if not for the injury. So, if he comes back sooner than expected, I am looking, I'm going to look for ways to get him into my team. So, in that sense, I don't want to block myself from that move, which means that three into Chelsea is just a no go. Even two times Chelsea, I would think maybe just start off with maybe a Chilwell or a Colville, well, and then maybe you can add to that in game week three when Estupinian's fixtures are not maybe that great for the. Sh- Maybe I think it's medium term, so you can maybe switch to someone like uh, the one of the other two that you don't have, and then look to add to your arsenal uh, in maybe game week six, game week seven later down the line. If you think that Chelsea is firing on all fronts and you have enough of uh, an empirical evidence, because anecdotal evidence does not help in this. game.
0: Yeah, I may mean, I agree with you there. I think moving on to the midfield, one position that you won't really see Chelsea in because Sterling doesn't seem to be a particularly fond option. I. It's a position where we seem to have the most template structure. It, it's basically whatever solve um, you're putting out now will have Fernandez, Rashford, and Saka, and even Mbumo. So that's really four out of five of your midfielders. Uh, a lot of people still have three-five-two templates, or you know, even a four-five-one that we'll discuss later. And so it really just becomes a question of what you want to do with that fifth spot. I think if you want to go with double 6.5, which is something that I suggested on a thread that I wrote because the 6.5 position is so strong and, and, and we're seeing already... So many good potential picks. Even let's say future forecasting, I suppose, into game weeks five and seven, when Aston Villa and Newcastle, respectively, have better fixtures. You know, you you will see Diaby as an option. You will see potentially even Barnes slash Almiron as options. And so, I get the idea of starting with a three-five-two template with two six-point-five midfielders is, is is very very um, good looking. And and as a in particular, in and as in particular looks the best, simply, I mean, outside of Mbuma, of course, simply because he is actually going to benefit from a few additional set pieces. Now that Olise is out to start the season, his baseline numbers are much better than March and Matoma. And if you look at Roy Hodgson as well, under his management, Eze has actually been a full on 90 minute player. So with this extra added time stuff, I'm sure Eze is someone who's going to benefit even further. Whereas I can't can't probably make that same sort of judgment call with uh, Matoma and March, particularly with uh, Kudush coming in to Brighton, he's probably going to take you know some right-winger minutes as well, um, maybe some 10 minutes as well. But it, it's very hard to say whether it, it even makes sense to consider Matoma and March at this time. I think it also depends on, on, on what model you're, you're looking at too because I, I understand that with the uh, top-downs model, maybe SA isn't showing up as, as someone who has such great expected value uh, in comparison to the Brighton midfielders. And, and in fact, the Brighton midfielders are better. But yeah, I I think Eze is starting to look like an undeniable option. And even in solves or, or strategies where I'm looking to maybe bypass Eze because um we now have the space to go for an Arsenal midfielder because of the Jesus injury, I'm still, for example, seeing solves where I'm I'm recommending the future to go for Eze. So I do think the position is is starting to become incredibly template and and really it's just that change of one midfielder. So you know we're probably going to be making our gains really within the defensive and forward positions that's sort of my position um early on in game week one
1: yeah i think you've covered extensively on all pos- possible options that we can look at because as you've said 6.5 is really a strong point for us this season you can go for either a structure where you have two 6.5 mids, or you go for one and then you have to compromise somewhere else but a two 6.5 mid structure is perfectly viable season and that's not necessarily what you've seen throughout the seasons in fpl so if that's something that you are more interested in as in you know reducing your value in midfield and maybe pumping that money into the remaining spots you can definitely do that with someone like even Eze and embo at the same time rather than either of them so i definitely understand that i don't think i'm going to go for that but at one point in time i was thinking about it so It's not entirely ruled out, but it seems unlikely for me at this
0: time. Yeah, and I think a a symptom of that really is just what has happened with the forwards, right? With the sort of uncertainty around Jesus and Nkunku, we're now starting to see Watkins come up as a much more popular option, just because he's going to be a very consistent player. Someone who plays, as we were saying, like he's going to have that sort of Harry Kane benefit of playing really until the end of the game, um, unless it's absolutely killed off. And so that makes Watkins an even stronger option. And at the same time, when when Jesus isn't there and isn't there and, and you want to think about the idea of moving to them when they're back and, and, and fit for selection, then Watkins is a brilliant placeholder. Plus he himself has good fixtures later on anyways. The only really other option I've seen is Jao Pedro and, and that's someone who's in my draft. It sort of changes what template structure I guess your draft is and what formation it truly is. But I'm I'm a little bit more open to, to Jao Pedro at the time being, just because for me, I just see it as a one week punt. And I'm, a little bit higher on, on his minutes than most. I'm sort of forecasting him to be something around 55 expected minutes. We also saw today that he's become the number one penalty taker, at least when he's on the pitch. This was also when Gross was on the pitch, which was, yeah, I mean, a, a really positive sign, in my opinion, to sort of, I would say, diversify the template a little bit from, from just purely Watkins.
1: Yeah, I think with Joao Pedro, the the fear comes from Deserby himself, where because his team is so fluid and a lot of players are able to execute so many game plans that he has it becomes much more difficult to understand if a player is going to get consistent minutes of course once they do like for example we knew about mitoma after a couple of weeks that this guy is named for most of the games so if that's the case you can move to them but i can understand the skepticism around java Petro right now i personally i think it's going to get squashed once we have a couple of game weeks because I think he's going to be absolutely great for, for his price especially, given the fact that he's on penalties and, uh, you know, he could possibly share some minutes at maybe across positions like number 10 or something like that. But even if that's the case, it's great value regardless. And I've seen two possible structures. One where you go with Watkins and Joao Petro and, of course, Haaland, boom uh, we don't need to mention. And the other is where you go for Joao Petro instead of Watkins. I think you have something akin to that. Whereas I initially, when we still had Unkunku as part of the conversation, I was thinking about a three striker structure where I had Unkunku and Joao Pedro. And that meant that I had to rotate between all eight of my attackers essentially, which is not a bad plan. Of course, it does mean that you're possibly going to have some holes on the bench, but I would rather have them on the bench than not have them in my team at all, because that means that they are performing well and I can count on them when the time comes.
0: I think one point we may have missed is maybe just touching on Nico Jackson. Um, at this point in time, we, we oh, do yes. think that N- N- yes. Nkunku is out for game week one. If you look at review, obviously, there's uh, Vlahovic, who's, who's sort of booked in um, right now. But th- that still suggests, of course, whether the the transfer gets done or not, that Chelsea are probably minded to look at another forward and adding that to the team. Even though I think mm-hmm. Pochettino himself has mentioned that he has wanted to look for an experienced center mid. But yeah, I mean, there's that threat still there. But I think also, inter- interestingly, I've, I've played around with his x mins His baselines don't seem particularly good. M- might just be the case as well where there's no sort of weightage to him being a penalty taker potentially. But yeah, I think that's the that's the one sort of concerning thing where th- their attack has looked good in the preseason, and I think his minutes look pretty good based on the fact that, or based on the assumption that there's no future transfers right for Chelsea. So. He he could be an option too, but he he's like at a very weird price where he's still a price below the 7.5s and the 8.0s. Yes. And obviously, Jao Pedro offers you a point of flexibility at 5.5, where you don't really have to consider seriously playing him week to week. So for me, he's someone that I'm avoiding for now. And maybe if you're someone who, let's say, starts with a Watkins constructor, you can easily move into him anyways.
1: Yeah, and want to keep an eye on, definitely. So I think we can move on to the last point that we had penciled in, which is... How to get in someone like here and Trippier later down the line, and you actually had an interesting thought process behind this.
0: Yeah, I think I'm obviously I posed the question of how do we get to Trippier maybe two three weeks ago, but I mean, simply just from looking at review, I think clearly Andreas or even a an Everton midfielder like Danjuma can 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 just be our simple solution. Another thing is if you go with let's say that fifth midfielder being Odegaard or Martinelli or Havertz. You can also just move back to SA in in game week four and that seems to be a very simple solution that allows you to trip here in game week five i i don't see anything else really coming up as a as a solution maybe you can also downgrade from watkins into jackson i suppose but there's more than enough ways to get the trip here alternatively you can also just go for Shar right someone like s in the future can just be shard too i think that that actually kind of covers most of the macro points for game week one let's just quickly move on to captaincy I, i think you know, the the EV will definitely change. But Saka is right now sort of the the, the reigning option on review. I think other models clearly have Haaland in favor. You also have Rashford there and thereabouts as well as a third option. Do you have any sort of initial thoughts in terms of captaincy? I I, I think generally, yes, you know, we're trying to play our best in terms of being analytical and trying to, you know, get the most in terms of margins. But I I really just can't see myself not going for a Haaland captaincy in the beginning. Uh, I'll I'll leave the floor to you.
1: Now, again, it's a case of how much do you weigh the EV delta, right? For example, as of today, uh, there's a 0.2 difference between Holland and Saka, where Saka is better than Holland by 0.2 EV right now. So if you look at this EV delta and you have your own setting where if you say, okay, if the EV delta is greater than, let's say 0.5, I will change my personal preferences to what review says. But you can, everyone can have their own individual kind of threshold where if you ex- if if that delta exceeds that you can definitely reevaluate your options but i think point two for me is within the realm of overriding that delta and saying i cannot go for anyone other than holland for week one just because it's a newly promoted team and i don't think the friday kickoff has any effect <laughs> or or the early kickoff thing, the the popular meme that we've seen on Twitter for the past couple of seasons has any effect on that. And Saka in his own regard is of course a terrific option, but against Holland, I don't think I'm going to go there. I, I think you are of a similar opinion.
0: So let's actually quickly move on towards our draft structures. I've yeah. got my draft structure up first, and it kind of covers some of the concepts that we've detailed already. So I've got Ederson, Stones, Shaw, Estupiñan, Chilwell on the bench, and Colwell on the bench. And then my midfield is Mbumo, Rashford, Fernandez, Havertz, and Saka. And then my forwards are Haaland and João Pedro, um, with uh, just a 4.5 template right now, just yuijo I could obviously look at another option, but it's not really worth discussing. I, I think the, the interesting here with this draft is it's very flimsy in terms of the forward position. It's basically what I would call a four, false 4-5-1 four, because Jao Pedro just plays game week one for me. And then after that, he actually becomes just a bench option. And this is on the assumption that Jao Pedro has something like 55 expected minutes for this Brighton team so far. And then I play most of the other game weeks at, at, with this sort of flat four back. What's interesting is I have sort of another transfer variation, which is, you know, th- this combination of Shaw plus Havertz versus Odegaard and Gabriel. And for me... When I'm doing shorter term solves with, let's say, game week six uh, from one, I, I get Odegaard and Gabriel suggested because that, that's where you start to see maybe the intricate solutions of going for Arsenal early on um, and maximizing your EV from some of the more nailed picks like like an Odegaard and Gabriel uh, to be quite beneficial there. But it seems like just generally speaking, there's not enough um, of an EV gap for me to say that that's much better than just simply going for and Havertz and I, I quite like the idea that Havertz has positional flexibility. And I think right now I have his X-Mins as something like 75, and, and maybe I've already low-balled it because it seems like he can actually fill out a variety of roles and probably have more X-Mins than that just based off the Community Shield. But that's probably, you know, the, the best case scenario for, for a Havertz game, I, I would say. So, yeah, I'm split between two minds. But the reason why I'm moving also away from a Watkin structure is sort of what I talked about previously, where because in and Nkunku, energy Zeus um don't really appeal as options for now. That's why I'm open to the idea of going for a little bit of a short-term punt with maybe an Arsenal mid um in place of let's say someone like Eze. And therefore my future strategy is to go for something like um a game week four transfer back into Eze, therefore allowing me to go Trippier. Um, there's also variations of this draft where I would have 0.5 or 1 million in the bank and I, I really do like that simply because I'm, I'm sure something will come up. And that's something I probably didn't think about previously last season when I look back at my game week one team. Yes, of course, we didn't actually have uh, transfers to make last season, but I do like that sort of flexibility of some, some cash in the bank for me as well. Yeah,
1: I think your draft looks great. There's not, not much to say because there's so many combinations right now. It's just a yeah. case of personal preferences and making sure you don't lose too much EV exactly in the beginning because one thing that you can do is you get swept up in the hype of preseason and you lose out already to your competitors on ev and once that happens in in let's say the first 2 3 weeks then it becomes a struggle because all you are trying to do is play catch up in both ev and points and then that could be quite a struggle for the rest of the season so just making sure that your ev is reasonable within what the solver settings give you that's pretty good draft to begin with so moving on to my draft as you can see we have I have Onana in goal. I have Ruben Diaz, Estupinian and Gabriel in defense. And I have Levi Colville and Baldock on my bench as defenders. Mm-hmm. In midfield, I think we have the same midfield. I have, again, I have Saka, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford, Havertz and Mbwemo. And I have Holland and Watkins as my strikers with Archer on bench. As you said, the 4.5 striker doesn't merit a conversation. You can just have your striker as the most minutes the day half of the Game Week 1 deadline. So essentially, I I am sticking to Watkins for now. I completely agree with you that it is not difficult to move from someone like Joe Pedro to someone like uh, Jesus or Nkunku or even Watkins for that matter. So it's not a question of preparing for the future, but I just think that with Watkins, I'm Saving myself one transfer down the line and maybe I'm investing that transfer into something else and that something else I currently don't have an answer as to what that something else will be But I am preparing for contingencies Which will most likely arise before September 1 because there are still player transfers that are taking place and also Injuries are a thing that keep happening. It's not really something that you can forecast So that's something that I'm thinking of right now and then in game week 3 in game week 5 I have certain transfers planned, like for example going out of Istopinian seems to be the option right now in Game Week 3. Of course when we actually get to Game Week 3, we can see how that pans out in terms of uh, the EV gains. but right now that seems to be the plan. And this is with the solver setting of 1FT, uh, so one, free transfer, 1 value assigned to free transfer, which means that it is robust, but it is not quite as robust, because if you look at the default robust plans that review gives you, it doesn't have any transfers planned for you till game week five, as we've discussed before. So it all depends on how intricate or how robust you want your plans to be. But either way, I just feel like with this draft, I am covering most bases. And also, in case we see that the Chelsea defense is actually cohesive for a change, I can easily double up on them by moving to Chilwell from Mr. in game week.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And I actually think your 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 structure is probably closer to the template which I would say is just switching up Havertz uh, into someone like an Eze, and then just going mm. for maybe a little bit more money pushed into the defense, Botman but in place of Bulldog, and then Ederson, of course, in place of Onana. Um, yeah. That's pretty much what I would call to be the the template formation as well. Right now, if you, if you took, let's say, a review approach, I suppose, and you were trying to be... I think as as flexible as possible to future transfer plans, right? Let's say uh, Jesus coming back and then Kunku coming back, and I I think ultimately, yeah, I'm I'm torn between these two general structures, but there there are still some decisions to be made, like like Ederson and On- Onana. Ultimately, yes, Onana is not really showing up in, in many solves, but if you look at his EV six a twelve game week uh, horizon, it's still actually, he's still very clearly the, the second or, or the best like 5.0 keeper. If you take Kepa out, cause I think he he's a little bit of anomaly now. I I, don't, I wouldn't count him as an option. So mm-hmm. yeah, I quite like the, the, the structure there of going for Anana and at times, because I don't like double 4.5 defenders uh, so much now, because there's so much value in the 5.0s, especially, I guess, since I'm on a four, five, one structure, I'm a little bit more open to something that you you've created, for example, where you're still putting in most of your money towards your starting 11. And yeah, I think that's this is a pretty encompassing episode. I, I, I'd i like to see, of course, maybe if we change our drafts a little bit more closer to the deadline, but I think we've we've covered the template quite well and, and sort of the big macro points. Uh, anything that you'd like to add as well for this episode?
1: No, as you said exactly, this is nothing close to being finalized. I'm pretty sure we're going to work tirelessly through the next few days in order to maybe have Whatever changes we deem necessary, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a case of whichever draft you find the best in terms of EV and in terms of your own personal preferences. So just balance the two out. And one more thing, please don't forget the deadline is on Friday. I think there are a fair few deadlines yep, on Fridays a Friday in the first few weeks, so just make sure you are well aware of that. And see you in game week two.
0: All right. See you guys in game week two.